Welcome to the midweek edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. I'm joined by Adam and Paul. Good evening, fellas. Evening, good evening. We had a bit of good news this week. We reached our one millionth download. I'll say that again. One millionth download. Very happy to reach that milestone. And I'd just like to say thank you to every single person that's downloaded, listened. Thank you so much to all the contributors. Uh, it's took my breath away, to be honest, because I thought I was the only person who listened to this. You just listened to it a million times, Barry. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> oh, I've only been here for about five years of it, so not even half of it, really, is it? Is that the journey? Yeah, half the journey. So, it doesn't matter um, if you've been here a week or ten years, Adam. It doesn't matter. We're all one big happy family, aren't we? I mean, I hope it comes across. I don't know if it does or not, but I, I hope it does come across that. All we are is just, we're just Latics fans talking Latics. There's nothing else. We don't, you know, we, we sometimes we get a, a little bit annoyed and sometimes we get a bit daft and laugh and, you know, and, but we're always passionate about the Latics, but we don't think we're special or anything like that. And we just want to spread the gospel according to Wigan Athletic. That's what we're doing. We're preaching the gospel according to Wigan Athletic. So it's like we were saying just before we started recording about how <laughs> the reason this started was because we would have wanted something to listen to ourselves. We just thought, well, why not give it a go? Like I said, we've had some good times, some bad times, some real good laughs, some miserable times. But it's been like therapy sessions, hasn't it, at times? What would you say is your, um, your favourite or your proudest episodes? I know this is off the cuff, but I think it's better off the cuff because then you've not had time to think of it. Yeah, I'll tell you the one which I'm most disappointed with, if I'm being honest, and it must have been the same for the players. Not that they listened to, the, to us, but it was the FA Cup, the, the post-FA Cup podcast, because we played Arsenal and we got relegated. And it just felt what should have been a massive celebration of us winning the FA Cup turned into us dissecting the fact that we got relegated. So so that is the biggest disappointment that we've done for me on the podcast. And I'd love to revisit that with another cup final win at some point because I'd never let that slip through my fingers again. It's an interesting one, that. When, when you're saying there, the, the, the immediate episode that sprung to my mind was the one where you said we'd have been better off losing to Bournemouth than the replay. Did I yeah, really you did. say that? Yeah, you did, because Dan cut it into a Christmas special, didn't he? But yeah, I, th- I think some of the, the administration episodes obviously were a big thing, but Warren Joyce, Malky Mackay eras, you know, there were six of us at the time and you come in trying to see something positive and you're all struggling to find anything positive, but yet you don't want to put out content that's just a miserable old moan session. But then that was, you know, that was the same feelings that everybody who was listening to us at the time had. You know, they, they were all fed up with what they were watching on a week in, week out, as we were. Tell you the ones yeah. that I really have enjoyed is when we've had the players on and, and Tommy, Tommy Go, and, yeah. you know, the guests. You're like a like a kid in a sweet shop, aren't you? You know, with uh, just you get that opportunity to speak. I mean, this this season, was, we spoke with Joe Bennett, who's only played for us once. <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were just giddy to talk to somebody who was playing for, for Wigan Athletic. Well, I, th- I think arranging that, this is your life. The Boise through the podcast that, that you know that was obviously a massive highlight. But then he di- he didn't just send us a, an audio file. He came and sat in the book cycle with us and recorded with us and and was oh, chatting well. you know chatting to us for about half an hour after the after the recording was done. I said, "Listen, Boyce, that's the guy who lifted the cup," and it was just quite surreal. But 
you know, absolutely brilliant at the same time. Mine, in terms of pride of how quickly we put something together and did a really good job of it, was the Friday after we went into administration to basically between us to put put together a live YouTube streaming with all the guests that we managed to get on, all the key players in one place at one time, at the same time, uh, and providing more information to the fans. We didn't know what was ahead of us. We probably still didn't 100% after that day, but we, we knew a little bit more, and it was a good way to bring everybody together when really we were still in shock, you know, and uh, but it just shows where the football community comes together because that was when, uh, if you remember, Ashley from Portsmouth, they were due to play playoff semi-final that day and he still popped on the uh, podcast to give his thoughts from the FSA's perspective. So uh, I think really that was a team effort. We did a really good job putting that together in what was a very difficult time in, in the middle of lockdown and two days after the most shocking moment I've ever had in football. Some credit there I definitely has to, has to deserve a mention is uh, young Adam Convery who with about three hours notice, managed to figure out how to stream and put it all together on YouTube. Right, shall we crack on? We've had we've had an absolutely stunning result on Tuesday evening. Wickham Wanderers one, Wigan Athletic three. We went down to Adams Park. What we thought was going to be a tough tough encounter, we withstood a little bit of aerial bombardment in the first half. Even though we went to goal down, we came out in the second half and just. Run out comfortable winners in the end. That second half for me was the most complete half of football, possibly all season. I mean, the Bolton game was was great, but I actually thought the football that we played at times was absolutely fantastic. You know, the one touch, the movement, the tenacity to win the ball, the composure at the back. Uh, the composure in attacking positions, you know, it, it was just a matter of time when the goal came. They kept the patience, you know, one thing that we said all the way through, you know, if you're playing well, be patient, do the things that are working, make a few little tweaks to the formation and some changes if you need to, but don't panic. And we came through and scored, you know, three excellent goals, all very different, but three excellent goals and credit again to Richardson the coaching staff and, of course, the players and the fans as well. He lifted them through all, all through the game, the 600 and odd that travelled down there. Congratulations to everybody, a team effort last night. We had a woodwork twice as well, didn't we? Will Keane in the first half with a just bewildering footwork to, to create a space for himself in. I mean, he put three players on the backside, didn't he, with little shimmies and drag backs. Uh, the only the only pity was it was on his left foot because if if it had been on his right foot that he did the right thing hitting it when he did, and he put it in the right spot. Uh, st- that idiot Stockdale in goals went the wrong way, but if it had been on his right foot, it would have been in the back of the net uh, without any doubt. And it, and it hit the post it was very unlucky. And then Massey with a with a, a good effort in the second half hit the outside of the post. Just back to the one in the first half. You know it's one of those where sometimes you think shoot. Yeah, you've got a chance to shoot, but obviously he was trying to create a better position for himself, which he did. And it reminded me uh, when you said about putting defenders on the on their asses that McManaman won in the FA Cup final, where he just mm. kept turning one way, turning the other way, and then curled that shot, which I thought was in from where I was sat. And 
it just kind of reminded me of that, really. So, yeah, great bit of skill from Keno. Deserved to be a goal at the end of that. Two things that I noted from last night. The word that we've been using for for weeks now, character, to come out fighting and, and get a result um, over the line. And then the other one, which I think is creeping into our play now, which we were accused of not doing a, a few weeks ago, and that's the, the word fluency. I saw a bit of it against Crew. You know, the, the decent moves, decent breaks. There was uh, a bit more last night. Are we heading into that Wigan time where it starts to get a bit lighter and Rotherham falter, and then all of a sudden we're away to the title? Just nailing the game last night. I said nailing on purpose. Tom Naylor scored his first league goal for Wigan Athletic, and he reacted the quickest to Max Power's very intelligent free kick. He, he lined up as though he was going to chip it into the box and he, he, he hit a, a, a daisy cutter and he hit the daisy cutter, caught Stockdale out. He, he only, could only parry it and Tom Naylor was in there, wasn't he? And edited it over the line. And fair play, what they always say is follow the ball in, don't they? You know, you say that as a, uh, when you're playing, you know, in school, follow the ball in. You know, you never know what might happen and uh, yeah, there we go. Fantastic. Yeah. Be sharp, anticipate what's coming, be first on it. And then with uh, Callum Langshaw, the 70, he scored on 78 and 82. Uh, he, he had a really good tussle with Jordan Obese, uh, and it was good to watch. And I think Langy got the better of him on the night. Well, he did at the end, didn't he? Because essentially he gets the two goals, and I think he did get round him a couple of times as well. As usual, won a few free kicks. It's odd, really, because at the start of the season, I would have always said that he's a central striker, Lange, but I think on that right-hand side, he, he he's learned the role really well. He's obviously been well-coached, but yet he still isn't frightened of coming into the middle areas when he has to do. So I think coming from attacking from that right-hand side has, has worked really well for him. His crossing's got a lot better as well, because that was early on in the season, his crossing was... Average, but that's gone a lot better. Obviously, he's finishing superb. Not just not just putting the ball in the net, but being in the right position at the right time. You know, the header against Crew, the goal which he scored against Rotherham, which was chalked off. You know, and of course, the second goal last night, uh, which was just opportunistic, but again, brilliantly finished. Yes, tenacity got in there, didn't it? What about the punch by Stockdale on power? Definitely a punch in the midriff. If he sees it, it's a red card. Uh, so, you know, that I think we can, that's a simple one, isn't it? We can yeah. draw a line under that. Performances, I, I picked out some players here. I mean, it was difficult to leave anybody out, really. But what more tilt, McLean, Dariqua, Naylor, and Power in midfield? Sorry, Massey as well. And even the subs who came on, Edwards and Humphreys, they come on at 61 minutes. And I thought they were both superb and injected a lot of energy into our, our play. You know, they were both dynamic. There's a lot of criticism been going around, aren't there, around starting 11s. It's a squad game these days. It's not an 11-man game. You know, it's, it's a 13, 14-man game now. It works well, having Humphreys coming on at that time. And Gwian Edwards has, has thrown a lot of energy when he's come on in recent games as well. It works. Carry on doing it. You know, we, we've, we've scored more late goals than, than other people. Simple as that. Starts from the game. Uh, we had 69% possession. So it tells you what type of football Wickham were playing. We had 11 attempts on goal with five on target. Wickham had 10 with three. We won the corner count seven to one. Fouls, we committed 16 and Wickham was only pulled up nine times. 
bit strange. Uh, Brookins, just the one. That was Curtis Tilt. The attendance, 4,826 with 632 away fans. The progress with Unity Man of the Match has voted for by our listeners, both on Twitter and Facebook. 35% of the vote went to Tom Naylor and 60% of the vote went to Callum Lang. So Langy bags it. So congratulations, Callum Lang. A Sunderland opposition supporter coming in, giving us a little talk. My name's Graham. I am the host of Sunderland podcast, What the Fork podcast. When you look at Sunderland season, you've got to kind of split it at the moment into two parts. There was a saying at the start of the season where it was like we said, it feels different this time. And it really did. Had a lot of good young players that were performing well. Callum Doyle started the season very well. Dan Neal in particular started the season really well. Culminated in a couple of Premier League clubs looking at him in um, sort of January time. And the recruitment model seemed a bit different. We had young, hungry players coming in. Would be obviously yourselves, first game of the season. Beat Wickham, we'll beat a lot of the teams around us. And it just felt a bit more like you know, the model that we had in place and the football we were playing sort of worked. But in between those games, we had a battering of Portsmouth and a battering of Rotherham. And it was weird. We, we kind of got warned of Lee Johnson being quite a streaky manager. So we'd go on quite good runs and then he'd kind of tail off and we'd get stupid draws away at Shrewsbury when they had 10 men and we got battered off Rotherham 5-1. We got hammered down Portsmouth 4-0. The Portsmouth game you could put down to the weather because it was horrendous. It really should have been called off. But the Rotherham game, we got played off the park. We got beat 3-0 off Chef Wed. We got beat 1-0 at home off Charlton. And all these results seemed to culminate together. And Lee Johnson had a good streak and a bad streak last year. And then this season, he had a really, really good streak for a while. Then a bad streak then it got a little bit worse and then a really good streak again. And then he hit another patch um, once more. And I think when we got we got a ball in the way, we, I think we beat Portsmouth 1-0 the week beforehand, which was a big win, really big win for us. And then you thought, well, maybe that's him coming off the streak. We can maybe have a good run at the end of the season and, and push Wigan and Rotherham. We got beat 6-0 at Bolton. And it was probably the worst I've ever felt as a Sunderland fan, to be honest. And there's plenty of them, but I, I really felt not great after that. It, it felt awful. I was wholeheartedly behind the second of Lee Johnson because I, I didn't think he was ever going to get us promoted. He was very Marmite as a manager. But the problem being his second exposed everything that's probably wrong in the hierarchy of Sunderland at the moment in terms of who owns the club, the recruitment model, as much as it seemed good at the start, we're now basically selling... We sold most of our defenders in January, so we're now flogging a bunch of 17, 18, 19 year olds and they're just they've just run out of steam. And the experienced players we've got, I think Alex Neil nailed it. We've got too many young players that are in their first season that have played too much football and too many experienced players that haven't had enough football in their legs. And we're just falling apart at the moment. We just I think we're bottom of the form league and it, it looks like it we've not been unlucky. We've been genuinely horrific and we're so far off the pace of the automatics. I'd be more worried about I'd be more expecting us to get relegated somehow at this point and getting getting automatic promotion but one result can change it but it's it's not positive at the minute which is such a shame after the start of the season it could go one of two ways with Sunderland on Saturday because just when you think you've had enough with Sunderland they could probably go and beat Wigan and you think well you know what if we just won a couple of games because in reality I think for both teams this should have been a big game because I think it looked like for a long time it was the best of the best of three the best of two going up from three, sorry, Rotherham yourselves and, and, and ourselves. And 
you had that period where you had a lot of games in February and because Sunderland have messed it up so many times with games in hand, you thought, well, you never know, they're tough games. And realistically, we should have been going into this game at the end of February, at least a little bit closer where we could maybe put pressure on you. So it'd be very Sunderland now to lose all the games that made it almost pointless um, in terms of automatic promotion and Sunderland and Wigan to go and beat Wigan. But if I'm honest, based on current form and what I'm seeing, it's, I mean, we equalised in the last minute, 93rd minute equaliser, I think, yesterday. And I, I politely applauded. If that's not telling you how apathetic it is at the moment, I don't know what does. Historically, we've just never been this low. And I know some people find that arrogant, but it is what it is in the 100 years of history. Some have never been this low. And we've been in it for five years and double relegations and all that kind of thing. And the playoff defeats, I think it's seven consecutive Wembley defeats and, and all that stuff that goes with it. And the mismanagement, we're probably the most mismanaged club in the history of English football at the moment. But um, I'm not positive about Saturday. And yet, weirdly, uh, we've got a sold out end, but I think I think we're going to just a much better team, much better squad, far better cohesion, much more of a plan of what they're doing and a lot more balance in the team, which drives me crazy because I was never the biggest fan of Max Power, but for some reason, Max Power and Wigan married together a lot better than, than Sunderland and Max Power did. But I think you've just got a better balance in your squad. I think you've got a stronger squad with experience and a, a good bit of youth in there that's not just young players from the Premier League, players that have got you know, good at running the games at this level and maybe slightly above in that squad. I think Wigan, don't think he'll tonk us because as much as the form guide says you should, it's probably going to be a closer game. We'll probably put in a decent performance and get done 2-1, something like that. Right, straight into ref watch. The referee on Saturday will be Sam Perkis from London. This will be Sam Perkis's third season as a Football League ref and this will be his second Latics game. His first Latics game coming last season when we lost 2-1 away at Lincoln. Jamie Jones was booked for time wasting after Cal Naismith had put Latics a goal up in the 52nd minute. Obviously, 24 games so far this campaign. 10 have come in League One, 9 in League Two. And Sam Perkins' last two games have both come as the fourth official at Championship matches. Sam Perkins, card watch for the season 21 22, 87 yellows, four reds, eight penalty awards. That's Sam Perkins, who will referee. The game on Saturday against Sunderland. Onto the previous form, we've met 25 times over the years. One, nine, drawn seven and nine defeats. So very even. So our first meeting was in Division 3 in the 87-88 season. A 4-1 defeat on the Ray Mathias away at Rocker Park. That was followed by the meeting in March 88. The infamous mudslide meeting on a terrible pitch, which ended 2-0, which I believe was also a last-minute equaliser for the Latics. The most famous uh, match I can think of in the Premier League was the obviously the first ever win with a Jason Roberts penalty. But also we won again 1-0 after we'd just been battered uh, off uh, Tottenham Hotspur, if you recall. We beat them 1-0 as well. Uh, the form, well, let's just say it's very, very iffy. They went back into the top six last night with a very late equaliser. But the recent form... Three losses and two draws for the last five games, including a 6-0 defeat to the best team in the league. 17 away games so far this season have yielded 21 points, five wins, six defeats, six draws, 24-4, and a massive 33 against. That's like one for every one of the... 1,000 supporters, 33,000 will be attending the match on Saturday because they are a massive club. Ross Stewart is the top scorer. Apart from that, 
I think we need to go over to Barry for the predictions. Do you know what? I think our camp feels that we owe Sunderland one, and I think we're going to stick it to them. We always concede, though, that's the only thing. I'm going to go for a repeat of last night's scoreline. I'm going to go for Wigan Athletic 3, Sunderland 1. They've done us twice this season already, haven't they? So, like you say, we, we definitely owe them one. If we get amongst them early doors and get in front, we could do what Bolton did, which incidentally, Adam, that fella from up the road said Sunderland were the best team in the league before his team spanked him 6 0. Because his predictions, the best team in the league, have been a bit woeful this season because he said Bolton were best when we spanked them 4 0. I'll go with 4 0. Nice, fluent, solid performance. Rather than drop points, jobs are good. And- Scrap this. This has got massive crowd on on Saturday. So it's going to be, I think, a good game, energetic game. But I think it might be a similar type of game to the Rotherham one. Bit bitty, scrappy. But it's shown that we can play that way if we need to. We've got lots of freshness waiting in the wings if we need it. So I'm going to go for Wigan Athletic 1, Sunderland 0. That would be my prediction for Saturday's match. Oh, that's a bit of a dull affair, Adam. I, I, you know, I think with a bit large crowd and it'll be a bunch of atmosphere and we'll just tater them. Yeah, well, if you remember, if you remember, our most famous home victory ever in front of a massive crowd was a cracking game, and that one finished 1 0 against Manchester United, which was almost 10 years ago. So, uh, a 1 0 game can be world class. Saturday's fixture list for League One Accrington Stanley will play Wickham, AFC Wimbledon will face Doncaster Rovers in the bottom of the table clash, Burton play Shrewsbury, Cheltenham the crew. Lincoln, Gillingham, Milton Keynes play Bolton Wanderers. Ooh, that could go either way. Morecambe v Ipswich. I can't wait to play Milton Keynes and give them a spanking as well. Oxford will play Cambridge. Plymouth v Rotherham. That's a tough one for Rotherham. They're coming into a bit of form, Plymouth at the moment. Portsmouth and Fleetwood. Fleetwood's not, don't seem like they've played since uh, Halloween. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> And Sheffield Wednesday play Charlton Athletic. And, of course, the mighty, the mighty, the mighty Wigan Athletic are going to take on Sunderland down at the DW Stadium. And we're all going to be there to enjoy an absolute brilliant day, fantastic game of football, and to see the Latics triumph and get the three points. Well, the standout fixture in that for me is Morecambe Ipswich. Because if we win and Morecambe don't, we can't be relegated. Well, on that very happy note, up the ticks. Up the ticks. Ah, stay it up, said we. We, Stay it up. up. Come on. (laughs)